My name is Rebecca Meitinger. Welcome to the Seeking Pearls podcast. It is awesome to be here with you. I am in the middle of a series right now called Praying for Our Kids as They Head Back to School. We have talked about praying the armor of God over our kids. And then last episode, we talked about praying the presence of God over our kids and praying the presence of God and that he would show his presence in very particular ways to our kids as they head back to school. And today I want to talk about praying the power of God over our kids. So we're going to look at three specific ways in which the presence of God really makes itself known, the way in which God makes his presence known. So three ways that I'm going to specifically look at, of course there are many ways in which God makes himself known, I'm going to look at three particular ways as we pray for our kids. So one is that praying the power of God, that God would make his presence known in our kids and our kids' kids' lives and in our kids' school through his power. And then in the next episode, we're going to talk about how God, we're going to talk about praying that God would make his presence known through his peace, that he gives our kids peace. And then in the third one, we're going to talk about what it would look like to pray that God would make himself known through love, through the power of his love, the perseverance of his love, through showing his love to our kids and making himself known that way. So today we're going to talk about what it would mean to pray the power of God over our kids. This is incredibly important as our kids are going into school buildings. And I would say again, specifically, I am coming at this from an angle as a mom who sends her kids to public school and all the things that are coming against my kids in public school. It is crucial that I send them to school praying for them as they go that God would, yes, be present with them, but that God would show up in power, that God would move in powerful ways in them and through them and around them as they head back to school. When we talk about God being with us or thinking about God's presence being with us, I think sometimes, maybe too often, we think about God as like a teddy bear, (laughs) being comforting and nurturing, but not being active in our lives. Or even a step above a teddy bear would be like if God was like my very, very cuddly dogs who just love to be by me and lay on my lap and they bring me comfort and they bring me joy and they are tender with me, but they're not particularly active in empowering my life. I love them. Uh, They might be more like a passenger along for the ride, but not the leader or director. And that is not how we can, we should not be thinking about God that way. But I think often when we think about God be with us, we think about him being with us like a cuddly dog or like a teddy bear, not a leader. Uh, not somebody who will pacify us and take care of us emotionally, but not somebody who would give us power or change our lives. We don't want our kids to have a teddy bear God. We don't want our kids to go into the battlefield that is the school, especially the public school, and have a teddy bear God with them. I don't even want my kids to go to school with the presence of God that is simply like a cuddly dog to them who is wonderful and endearing 
but not a powerhouse life changer. I want my kids to go to school with a powerhouse life changer. And that is who our God is. But I want to pray that into the experience of my kids' days so that my kids lean into this powerhouse life-changing God, the God who himself is a powerhouse and who wants to give us his power, who has made his power incredibly available to us, and yet... We don't tap into it nearly enough. It is clear in scripture that God wants us to, but will never force us to lean into his mighty, great power. I want my kids to lean into his mighty, great power. He wants them to as well, and yet he will not force them to do that. We have available to us the all-powerful God who wants to empower us through his Holy Spirit to do great deeds for the kingdom of God, to overcome the hardships and the difficulties of this world. He wants to give us the power to do that, and yet he's not going to force his power upon us. And so my job as a mom is to pray that the power of God would cover over my kids and that they would lean into it, that the Holy Spirit would empower my kids, which it does. Like the Holy Spirit is in my kids and the Holy Spirit is a spirit of power. So the second part of my prayer is not simply that the Spirit of God would empower them because the Holy Spirit, in fact, already wants to do that, but more so Pray that my kids would lean into that power and allow, invite that power to work through them. That they would lean into the power of God. That they would press into the power of God. That they would rely on the power of God to be the fuel for their daily lives. That is my prayer for my kids as their mom. And it's a a prayer that we can learn a great deal about in scripture. We're going to go to a few different places. First of all, as we think about intentionally leaning into this power or tapping into the power of God, I want to just think back to a woman I love dearly, the hemorrhaging woman from Mark chapter 5. She was moving amongst the throngs of the people, and she had heard about This man, Jesus, who was a miracle healer, and we don't know how much she knew about Jesus. We knew that she knew that he, or we know that she knew (laughs) that he was a miracle worker, and she trusted, she had faith that if she just touched his cloak, she would be healed. So she goes through this crowd of people, which is so courageous of her because she was considered unclean in uh, underneath the ceremonial cleanliness, cleanliness laws of the Jewish culture. And so she would have been unclean. And yet despite that, she moves through the crowds, the throngs of people where everybody is touching everybody else. And it says that the, the instant that she touched Jesus's cloak, she was healed from her suffering. But what it says about Jesus in Mark chapter 5 there is that Jesus felt his power go out from him. 
I have always just been amazed by that phrase that Mark used, that Jesus felt that his power had gone out from him. This woman did not just want to be close to Jesus. She didn't just want to be near Jesus like as a teddy bear type of a God who would give her comfort in the midst of her disease, who would bring her like emotional care in the midst of her disease. She wanted power. (laughs) She wanted the power of God. She didn't just want comfort, although comfort is very important. I'm not trying to downplay part comfort at all but we have a god who is powerful to work he is mighty to save and we need to press beyond wanting the comfort of the presence of god that is a great great gift but let's press into more of who he is and look for the power like this woman did this woman wanted his power and jesus felt his power go out from him Where did it go? Into her. It went out from him into her body. And the text says that she felt in her body that she was immediately healed from her disease that had plagued her body for 12 years. I want my kids to press into Jesus and his power so much that Jesus' power is transferred from him into them. And of course, that happens now through the Holy Spirit, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But would we lean into that indwelling Holy Spirit? In both Romans chapter 8 and Ephesians chapter 1, we are told in the text that the power that lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit, like that power, the power the power of the Holy Spirit, is the same power power, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Yes, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. That same Holy Spirit lives inside of each and every single believer today. So the Holy Spirit who lives inside every single believer in Jesus is the same spirit, the same power with the same strength that raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. What that means is when my kids who believe in the Lord Jesus, when they go to school, they are going to school with the power of the resurrection inside of them. The resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ is going into our public schools every single day by the hundreds. There are hundreds of kids in our schools who know and love the Lord Jesus and who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the power of the resurrection goes with all of them would we tap into it would we tap into it would we pray that that power of the holy spirit that that resurrection power would do a work in the schools would do a work in the schools would we pray that the holy spirit the power of god would turn hearts towards him, would heal mental diseases, would heal shattered mental health, would tend to kids whose families have completely fallen apart. Would we pray that that Holy Spirit would make sure that the gospel is being preached in the schools through these kids and through the teachers? Sure, the teachers can't preach in front of a classroom, but absolutely they can preach one-on-one. 100% they can. They can share the love of Jesus and the truths of Jesus one-on-one with a kid. 
Would we pray that the Holy Spirit, the power of the resurrection, would do a mighty work in our schools? Because this Holy Spirit is in fact going to school every single day. But do we tap into him? Do we like reach out in the throngs of the people, just like this woman who was bleeding for so long? She was so desperate. She was desperate for the power of God to move. And so she reached out into the power of God. Would we do that? Would we reach out and grasp onto the power of God? Would we pray that he would move? What do we want the power of God to do through our kids? We want the power of God to give them power to overcome hardships, to break through barriers. We want the power of God to give them the power and the self-control and the determination to resist temptation. We want the power of God to enable our kids to stand up to bullies. We want the power of God to silence the demons that are working in the schools, to silence the powers of the enemy that are working in the schools, that are spreading lies to our kids. We want the power of God to silence the demons. We want the power of God to preach the gospel in our schools. Yes, I said just a couple minutes ago that there are hundreds of kids taking the Holy Spirit with them into the school building. Absolutely. There are also hundreds of kids in the same buildings that don't know the Lord Jesus. They don't know about the cross of Christ. They don't know that the tomb is empty. They don't know that he's alive, that Jesus is alive, that he has conquered sin, death, and the devil. They don't know that he is for them, that he loves them. They don't know. Would the power of God fill our kids and go through our kids to preach the gospel? Would the power of God empower my kids to defy odds, to go against the flow, to stay with things that are hard, to stick it out even if it's difficult, to persevere through persecution that they're facing in their schools? Would the power of God let them see clearly, open their eyes to things that they might be blind to, open their eyes and let them see clearly? Would the power of God do its mighty work in and through our kids at school? When Jesus, just before he ascended into heaven, he was talking to his disciples in Jerusalem And he said to them, uh, he told them not to leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And then he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So geographically what Jesus is saying is you're going to, when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, you will then be empowered to be my witness to teach to explain the gospel, to bring people into relationship with me, you will do that here in this city, in Jerusalem. And then you will do it in all of Judea, which is the surrounding region. You will do it in all of Judea. And then you're going to go north into the next region, which is Samaria, which interestingly, there's a racial divide between Judea and Samaria. And most people would not have wanted to go to Samaria to preach the gospel because of racial issues, social issues, not unlike today. 
And Jesus has said, you're going to go there and you're going to preach the gospel. And then you're going to go to the ends of the earth, continuing to be my witnesses and preach the gospel. That is where you're going to go. And you're not going to do this on your own power or on your own strength. The Holy Spirit, who I am going to give you, is going to give you all of the power that you need to make this happen, to do this. The Holy Spirit is the one who will do it through you. So now bringing this to today, for my own kids... This for my own kids would be like saying, you are going to be my witnesses in the schools in Fargo. And you're going to start at Kennedy when you're in elementary. And then you're going to go to Discovery when you're in middle school. And then you're going to go to Davies when you're in high school. And then you're going to go wherever it is that I take you. And you are going to be my witness. And the whole time I'm going to empower you through the Holy Spirit to be my witness in all all those places. I will give you power and you're going to do it. But moms and dads, are we praying for them? Oh, we pray for our kids. I know that every single parent out there prays for our kids. I think even the parents who say they don't believe in God, I think they still pray for their kids. I just think it's in parents to pray for their kids. But are we praying for them to be filled with the power of God and to tap into, to lean into the power that is inside of them? Or instead, are they just filled up with the power of God and we're not teaching them or praying for them to lean into it and let that power drive their life? The power of God wants to drive their lives. Are we praying that that would be the case? Are we praying that over them? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, The spirit that God gave us does not make us timid. Or the spirit that God gave us is not a spirit of fear. Different translations. But then it goes on to say, But it is a spirit of power and love and self-control. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of power. Are we teaching our kids to live powerful lives for the gospel? I want to share another account from the book of Acts. So what I previously just read was from Acts chapter 1. Just a short time after that, the Holy Spirit does in fact come to the disciples. And shortly after it comes, very very soon after it comes, we have this beautiful account in Acts chapter 3 from Peter and John. And I'm going to just read for a while and we're going to see what this teaches us about the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 3, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. 
And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I just love this. Peter and John are just going about doing what they do. And this man wants something from him. Wants something from Peter and John. When our kids go into the school building, they're just doing their thing. They're just minding their own business, going to school. And look, all the time, there are people who want something from them. Be like this. Act like this. Look like this. Dress like this. Behave like this. Have tolerance like this. Be in this club. If you say this, you're a hater. If you do this, you're a hater. You know, there's there are different things pulling on our kids all the time. People wanting things from our kids. And I love Peter's response. First of all, he asked the guy to look at him. Like how often do we feel like people are just begging something of us? but not giving us the dignity to just look at my face. Look at my face. Quit trying to yank me this way or this way or this way or this way. And instead, just look at my face. Look me in the eyes. I want to give you something, but I want you to look in my eyes first. (laughs) So that's the first thing Peter said. And then he said, I don't have what you want. I don't have any silver and gold. Like the thing that you're asking from me, I'm not going to give you. I can't give it to you, but I have something. But what I have, I will give to you. And the thing that Peter gave to this man was Jesus. (laughs) He gave him Jesus, the power of God. He gave him healing. Power went into this man and healed this man's legs. And this man got up and walked. Peter gave him Jesus. He gave him the power of God. God, the power of God that didn't just pacify the man sitting at the gate. It didn't just comfort the man sitting at the gate. It wasn't just like a beautiful cuddly dog, which I love dogs. My dog is scratching at the door right now because he wants to come be by me. I love dogs, but Jesus is more than that. He's not a comforting, cuddly puppy. He is the all-powerful God of the universe who wants to take control of our lives, heal all our diseases, mend our broken hearts. He wants to create change for good in our lives, but he's not going to force it upon us. And so he waits for us to tap into him, to be like the brave, brave woman who was hemorrhaging and went in the middle of the crowd because she was like, I want Jesus's power. And she reached out for the power of Jesus and she got it. Jesus is not going to force his power on us. Would we pray that our kids would be like Peter and John in this story when people are just trying to yank them in every single direction as they go to school? Would they just be able to stand strong and say, look, I can't be X, Y, and Z for you, but I can give you Jesus. I can share the power of the living God with you, and he will work wonders in your life. He will heal places in your life that you might not even know need healing. I can help you by sharing with you the power of God that he has given to me. Would our kids give people Jesus 
share the power of Jesus. Now, the next day, Peter and John were preaching to the crowd, or maybe this is the same day. Okay, this is actually the same day. As a crowd gathered around, understandably, a crowd gathered around, uh, and then Peter started preaching to them about what had just happened, and this Jesus, the one that he had just healed this man in, in Jesus' name, he started preaching about Jesus. And after a little while, as the crowd grew, um, in chapter 4 it says, I'm just going to read the text starting in chapter 4. So this is just a little bit after Peter and John had healed this man, or the Holy Spirit had healed this man. It says in chapter 4, it says, The priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John, and they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed. Now, let me let me back up just a little bit. The Sadducees are the and the chief priests are specifically responsible for crucifying Jesus. It was specifically the Sadducees and the chief priests who killed Jesus. So now we have the Sadducees who are coming up and they're questioning um, Peter and John at the temple. Keep in mind, this is only probably about two months after Jesus was crucified. So it's very recent events to the crucifixion of Jesus. So the Sadducees and the priests and the temple guards it says that they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas. Okay, those are the two that were high priest when Jesus was crucified, like two months prior. So Annas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others from the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. And they asked, by what power or in what name did you do this? By what power did you do this friends that is the question that is the question i want my kids to live their lives in such a powerful way that people notice that people see what is happening in my children's lives and they ask by what power does she live her life by what power does he live his life what power is working inside of him or her that they are able to resist temptation, that they are able to break through barriers, that they are able to overcome hardships, that they are able to stand up to bullies, that they are able to silence the demons that are lying to them, that they are able to defy the odds and preach the gospel and go against the flow. What power are they living their lives by? That is the question that I want people to ask as they see my kids live their lives. And of course, we want to be able to answer it as well. We're not going to leave it unanswered. Just like Peter, he goes on in verse 8 of chapter 4. He says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called an account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and is now healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel... It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, 
but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Ladies and gentlemen, 7th graders, 8th graders, ninth graders, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors, kindergarten, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th graders, all the grades, please know that the power by which my kids live, if you are wondering what power fuels their body every single day they go to school, if you're wondering what power fuels their heart to have compassion and kindness and grace and mercy, if you are wondering what fuel trains their brain to think outside the box and to love people who are different than them and to resist temptation and to break down the barriers that surround them, if you're wondering what power lives in my kid, please know it is Jesus Christ. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that is living in my kids. Please know that. Please know that he died on the cross for you and his power will fill you too. Upon just confessing faith in Jesus Christ, his power will fill you too. Please know the power is from Jesus. Then Peter goes on and he says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by, to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw, okay, they being, this is so cool, the chief priests and the Sadducees who are responsible for the death of Jesus. I mean, of course, the death of Jesus was God's plan. Revelation says that Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So yes, absolutely, Jesus died on the cross because that was God's plan from the beginning. But there was also humans involved, and the humans that were on the human side of it, responsible for crucifying Jesus, were the Sadducees and the chief priests. And in verse 13 of chapter 4 of the book of Acts, it says, When they, the chief priests and the Sadducees, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It just floors me, friends. It floors me. The very people who killed Jesus looked at Peter and John and they realized these men can't be miracle workers in and of themselves. They are ordinary. They're ordinary. The only thing that sets them apart is that these men had been with Jesus. That is what I want for my kids. That is exactly it. If somebody asks me, what do you want for your kids? This. This is what I want for my kids out of the whole world. Happiness, riches, wealth, a good house, a good job, whatever, you name it. It doesn't matter to me. This is what I want for my kids. I want my kids who are basically ordinary. Although, okay, when we think back to Jochebed, <laughs> if you have followed me for a while and you went through some women in the Bible with me, uh, we studied Jochebed, who is Moses' mom. She looked at her baby boy, and it says right there that she saw that he was no ordinary child. And I would agree with her. My children are not ordinary children. 
But from the outside, people from the outside looking in might think they're just ordinary kids. They're my 16-year-old is exceptional, but people coming looking from the outside might think she's an ordinary 16-year-old. My 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 14-year-old, of course I think they're all exceptional, but from the outside people looking in, they might look like ordinary kids. And that would be assumed, you know, normal. But if there is one thing that sets my kids apart, let it be this, that these kids have been with Jesus. These kids have been with Jesus. And that is why they live a power-packed life. They have a spirit inside them that does not make them timid and does not give them fear, but it makes them full of power, love, and self-control. Would they live a powerful life? Because they have living inside of them the power of the resurrection that raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. That power is the same power that lives inside of us as believers. Would they lean into that power? Would they lean into the power of the resurrection every single day to fuel their lives, to help them make decisions, to give them courage, to be brave, to stand up for Jesus, to stand up for the kid who is hurting, to reach out in love across the table to somebody who has no friends, to silence racism or whatever lies the demons are spreading, to silence it in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would Jesus work through them with power? And would other people look at them and think, okay, they seem to be ordinary kids, but I think the thing that is setting them apart is that they have been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. There is no other explanation for the power of God working through our lives than that we have been with Jesus. We've been with Jesus. Lord, make that true of my kids. Holy Spirit, would you pour through my kids as they go into their school buildings tomorrow? Would you pour through their bodies and their mouths and their hearts and their minds? Would you pour through them, permeate out of them, be the aroma of Christ that just trails everywhere they go, and let the power of God work through them to change their schools, to change hearts for you, to heal diseases, to mend broken hearts, to silence the demons. Work through my kids. Work through my kids. Bring power through my kids. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining me today. Next time we will talk about the peace of God, praying the peace of God over our kids as they head into their school buildings. Thanks so much. Have a great day.